All right, Luke 22. If you'll open your Bibles there to Luke chapter 22. And so I'm going to try to bring out a singular thought today. And we're going to answer a question. Luke 22, verse 61. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of verses, two actually. And then I'll introduce what I'm going to talk about, and then I'll pray, and then I'll get right into it. 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. We see a different Peter here, I think, than we've ever seen up to this point. Something happened to Peter, and we just sang the song, Something Happened to Me That Day, and uh, it's true. I mean, there's a clear difference in my life after I accepted Christ as my Savior and accepted the gospel message. But even so, uh, there's, there's a further, something that more that the Lord wants for us. So Peter here, we're going to look at his life. And I think we see here a Peter that we've not seen before. Something happened to him, and whatever happened to him, uh, made, it, made a difference between what he was before and what we see him doing, for example, in Acts chapter 2 and leading the ch- church in the book of Acts. I think it's pivotal right here. And the Lord understood of this, of course, and he tried to help Peter beforehand. And we're going to look then at the life of Peter and see what happened to him. Why, did, why is this different? What happened to Peter? What maybe needs to happen to us? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. I ask that you bless uh, the this time of preaching tonight. Of course, Lord, when we preach, we're trying to help people reach a decision perhaps in their life. But we can't know what decisions those are. And so uh, as uh, we try to be faithful to your word and try to preach the truth correctly, we ask that your Holy Spirit would use this and uh, that you give me wisdom. And thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And uh, so we love you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for our college, for our, and for our uh, high school, and for all those who are here, I ask that you bless those who are sick, that they feel better real soon, and be able to continue on your will for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so to figure this out a little bit more, let's go up a couple verses, a few verses, in chapter 22 to verse 31. But before we get there, the 31 and 32 is what I'm going to hone in on. But look, if we, go to, if we go to verse 24, okay, so Luke 22, 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? Okay, the who's them here? What's the antecedent? It would be the apostles, right? the disciples. So they're having this discussion. And what's the discussion? What does it revolve around? Who's going to be the greatest? Okay, so I can remember years ago, I was uh, putting, we, we had a house in, uh, in Tennessee, and so I bought materials. I was working on the kitchen, and so I bought a bunch of materials. I drove them over there, and I was going to empty them out. And a couple of young, young boys, I don't know, they, they seemed to me maybe fifth, sixth grade, maybe, I don't know. But they were having discussion, who was the greatest running back of all time, is what they said. And so I was busy doing my whatever. And uh, so they asked me, and so they were walking right in the front of my house there. I had a 1978 Toyota pickup truck. It looked horrible. It looked horrible. We call it the Tic Tac truck because it was the color of an orange Tic Tac. And so, uh, but I, I had them in the back there, and so I was unloading the thing. And so they asked me, they said, 
um, hey, who, who do you think was the greatest running back? Now that should have been a clue to me to give the gospel. It should have been, but it wasn't. I was busy doing my own thing. I was busy putting these things in, and I just said something like, I'm sorry, I don't know. And then I just went inside with my things. So I went into the kitchen there, and I think I felt a lot like what Peter felt here. And uh, I, I was smitten with God's Spirit. So, okay, maybe, maybe the Lord did make a big change in my life, but there were some more changes that needed to be made. I wasn't right there. But they, so here they're discussing who's the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? When we get to heaven, who's going to be the greatest? What kind of discussion is that? So what does the Lord say in 25? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. So how does the Lord answer their question? They, well, it wasn't really a question, was it? They didn't ask him anything. He just intervened there, it would seem, and just said to them, um, the person that's going to be the greatest is the one that really that serves the most. It's the exact opposite of what they were talking about. Then he says, verse 27, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Now, keep in mind, Peter's listening to this. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink in my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, in the midst of all of this, uh, he looks over at Peter. Of all the people, he looks over at Peter. After talking about this, after the discussion about who's going to be the greatest, then he says, the people that serve. And then if you are one to serve, then you'll be rewarded in heaven one day. Looks over at Peter. What does he say in verse 31? And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So, okay, so put, let's go back there and put yourself in Peter's shoes. All of you are Peter right now. And what is he supposed to gather from what the Lord said? What would he be thinking, you think? All right, well, if we're looking at just what it says here, I would think that Peter would say, Satan, Satan wants to have me. My enemy, Satan, the Lord here is telling me that my enemy, Satan, is going to, desires to have me. Not only to have you, but to sift you as wheat. Now, I, when I think of sift, I can remember my grandmother, uh, she would be baking things and she had a sifter and you would hit it like that. And the, and the good stuff would drop out of it and the bad stuff would stay. And uh, I think that's a lot what he's talking about here. Satan wants all the good things out of you. He wants only the bad things to say. This is what the Lord, this is what the Lord is telling Peter. So I would think Peter would probably want to listen to this. The Lord is telling him Satan desires to have you. Not only to have you, to completely disintegrate your capability of doing anything good or right. What else would he know? He would know that uh, the Lord's praying for him. That should be a comfort, I would think. The Lord is praying. If you knew that the Lord was praying for you, if that was, if that was a very evident thing for you, wow. He would know, in addition, that whatever it is the Lord wants for him, it, it deals with his faith. It would be, in his mind, I would think, the possibility to have your faith fail. It's possible. And then uh, that he would have to strengthen the brethren. He wasn't there yet. I think he would know all these. But I uh, 
I'm going to key in on that word converted. So what, how does Peter take what he says? I think the next verse shows us. What does he say there? What does Peter say to him? Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Okay, so based on verse 33, now notice Peter didn't say, Lord, is it true? Lord, what do I need to do to battle against Satan? Please, please help me, Lord. What, what can I do? And he didn't, even say, he didn't even say, thank you, Lord, for praying for me. He didn't say that. Maybe he could have. Thank you, Lord. Please, can you show me more of your will? Am I supposed to strengthen the brethren? How do I do that? He didn't say that. I think he keyed in on the word converted. Now, of course, the Lord wasn't speaking English here when he said that. You have to remember that. And the Greek word here simply means to turn around. Just means to turn around, go the other way. So the Lord here is suggesting, Peter, you're going this way. You need to be going this way. Not just the, another way, the other way, exactly the other way you should be going. And so this is what the, what, the, what the word converted means. So in some way, so I think Peter understood that he's keying on. That's why he says, no, Lord, I, I will go with you. I'm with you. I'm going the same direction you are. In fact, Lord, it, it's true. Here in verse 33, again, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Lord, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way, even if it means my death, even if it means, if it means my imprisonment. Lord, I'm ready to go with you. So the Lord said, no, Peter, you need to be converted. Peter, you need to go the other way. Peter says, no, Lord, I'm going the same way you are. So then what does he say in verse 34? He said, I tell thee, Peter, almost as if he's saying, let me tell you something, Peter, let me tell you the truth. The cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt deny that thou knowest me. Sorry, I read that wrong. Before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So we see that in verse 61. We looked at that. So the big question is, why did he need to be converted? How come Peter didn't understand? Why did the Lord have to tell him this? It would seem to suggest that whatever happened, and we know it happened in verse 61, that that would be the point in which uh, Peter was going to realize what that conversion was. And it was there. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking? So we go down to verse 61 again. Just put yourself there. He did exactly what the Lord... I would think that after the cock crude, crowed, he done crowed one time. <laughs> that, that, that would have keyed him in, but that didn't happen. Then another time, that didn't happen yet. It wasn't until that third time. And then I think, don't you agree with me, that all the thoughts uh, that, and, and all the realization all of a sudden just came upon Peter at one time. And he, he understood. He got it. And it caused him, it says here, to, to weep. And it says he wept bitterly. Peter wasn't the same person after that. He was a different person. He was at that point somebody that the Lord can use. But, but it still remains for us to understand what was he converted from? What do I need to be converted from? Do I? Do you? Are we any different than Peter? Well, let's look. What kind of man was Peter? Let's go to Matthew 19. Verse 27. Let's back up to um, uh, verse 24. And again, I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Here it is, verse 27. And then answered Peter, unprovoked it would seem, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man shall sit on the, tw- on the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So here Peter says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What are we going to have? Now the Lord here doesn't say, no, Peter, there's a couple of things you haven't given up, although that may be true. But he doesn't say that. I assume then that it is true in Peter's life. He did give up things. And he did, didn't he? He was fishing before. He gave up those things to follow the Lord. He really did. Now, you might say, uh, well, have you given up a lot? Oh, people say I have. I don't know. Me personally. Me. Um, and maybe you, maybe the difference is, I kind of know what I've given up. And for all of you, you've given up maybe what would be a proposed future. But I know what I've given up. And so I've heard people say, well, and, and, and even commend me. They say, well, you know, here's, here's uh, Dr. Schreiber, and he's somebody that he, he, could have a, he could be making lots of money as an engineer. And that's probably true. That probably is true. And did I give all of that up? I don't think I've given up very much at all. In fact, uh, if I really look at my life, you say, will you be more financially secure and all that? Where I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I can tell you this, that I would do it again a million times. But I can also tell you this, just like Peter I don't think this was his conversion. And although he did give up a lot of things, this wasn't the thing that was sending... Even so, you would think after, after that, well, he must be going the same direction he's supposed to be going. I mean, after all, he gave up everything to follow the Lord. He certainly did. But there was something he was missing. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe I can boast of the fact that I've given up all of these things. But there's something I'd be missing. What is it? What's this conversion? It couldn't have been the fact that he gave up anything. It didn't. It's not like the Lord said, well, to be converted, you have to give up more things. That wasn't it at all. What else about Peter's life? Um, So let's go to Luke chapter 5. All right, jump over there. So what do we have so far? Peter is a person that gave up things for the Lord. He sacrificed for the Lord. Well, chapter 5, verse 4. Well, let's go up to verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, that he would thrust out a little from the land and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. A, a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish that their net break. Now, it could be, you might, we might criticize Peter here and say, Well, the Lord said nets and he only let out a net. Okay, maybe. But he did do it. He did do it, didn't he? Peter was a person that was obedient. He was an obedient Christian. He really was. He gave up a lot for the Lord. He was obedient here. Maybe if, if this doesn't convince you, can I uh, remind you that when the, when the apostles were on a 
on a ship in the storm and the sea was boisterous and they saw that they thought it was a ghost, right? They thought it was a, a spirit. And the Lord came walking them in the water. But it was Peter that said, Lord, if it be you. So he said, then the Lord said, it is I, be not afraid. It was Peter that said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out to thee in the water. Now, what is Peter really saying there? Well, he's saying, Lord, if it's true, if it really is you, then prove it. Now, is it wrong to prove what the Lord says and to exercise our faith that way? There's nothing wrong with that. So what does the Lord say? Come. And so what does Peter do? I mean, if it was that much a, a proof that he really wasn't who he said he was, then he would have gotten out of the ship. But he did. And he started walking on water. The Lord said, come. And what did Peter do? He went. He was, a, he was obedient. He really was. So you would think after this, you're looking at his life, and here's, here's somebody, and he's, he's obeying, and uh, he he's, um, gave up a lot of things for the Lord. You'd think, well, he must be going in the same direction the Lord is. He must be. I mean, if giving things up, um, is, it means following the Lord only, and if being obedient means following the Lord only, then Peter would be good to go. He wouldn't need to be turned around. But that must not be the case. What other person was Peter? Let's look at this. Let's go to Matthew 16. So, so let me try to help you with this a little bit. The things that we're talking about here in our minds are degrees of things. In other words, can you always give up more? Yes? Can you always obey more? Right? Always. I don't know about you, but whenever somebody preaches on prayer, uh, I always, can you always pray more? Yes. So these are things that are degrees. And it's easy to try to get altar calls and all that by saying you need to pray more. Even after the altar call, I still need to pray more. I'm not saying it's wrong to preach on those things, but you understand that those are things that are degrees. It's hard to come to a definitive answer when, right? Look at Matthew 16, verse 16. What else about Peter? Verse 13, we'll start there. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Okay, so they're listening, and they, Jesus broaches the question with them. Who do people say that I am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Okay, so if that's, if that's the case, um, at this point, John the Baptist had been beheaded. So by suggesting, some people suggesting that Jesus Christ was John the Baptist, what are they suggesting? I would think some kind of reincarnation. Some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, Almost as if he's saying, yes, yes, yes. But who do you say that I am? You, those who have followed me? You're, you're my apostle, you're my myself. Who do you say I am? What if someone were to ask you that? What if Jesus were to come down and say, who do you say I am? What would you say? Well, Peter, he answers. And what does he say? He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, there's a lot of theology here. I'm going to go into a little bit of it. But he says, you are the Christ. doesn't say a Christ. It says the Christ. The Jewish people here would have understood. He's saying, you are Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the one that's been promised. You are that prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18. All of those things. You are the one. 
Then he says, the son of the living God. Uh, there was a time when Jesus said, uh, gave himself the title, the son of God, and they were going to stone him for that because he made himself equal with God. So well, Peter is giving him that title. So what is Peter saying? Well, I can tell you this, you are the incarnate God is what you are. That's a good thing to say. He was right. And Jesus answering said unto him, Blessed are thou. So he gives him his approval. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. What is the Lord suggesting about Peter here? That he's a spiritual person. He understood spiritual truth. Said, oh, the Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let me put it to you that way. He... Um, what looked like a normal person. He looks like, like a normal Jew, Jewish man, pro- probably extremely plain, probably not very um, much to look at, probably not very tall and strong, probably not very handsome, just as plain as he could be. And he's looking at this plain-looking Jewish man and saying, you're, you're the incarnate God. Well, that's, a, that's a, a, an exclamation of faith. Maybe we would be, say to ourselves, well, I think that if I lived in the first century and saw Jesus Christ for myself with my own eyes, surely... Because he's this white guy with long red hair and a halo around his head. Surely he'd be easy to follow. But that's not the way it was. So you think, all right, well, well, Peter is giving, this is, this is pretty good. I suppose if Peter would say the right thing here and is a spiritual person and is a person of spiritual insight, surely, of all people, surely Peter is going the same direction as the Lord. But you, you can always be, be, have more spiritual insight, can't you? So you say to yourself, well, all right, so here's somebody, he's given up a lot. That must not be what converted him. He's, he's, um, he's, uh, he's, he has a lot of spiritual insight. Well, that must not be the one. He was very obedient, more so maybe than the other apostles. Well, then that can't be it. What was the Lord suggesting? What was he saying in Luke 22? What does it be, need to be converted from? What is the thing that Peter realized when the Lord looked at him after denying him three times? Let's go back, back to Matthew 16 and see if we can answer. Actually, we're, we're here, aren't we? Um, in verse 13 here, And when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? So this is a, a probing question, isn't it? And we, we already looked at the fact that he gave a faithful answer. Now, uh, we'll, let's go on. So then the Lord, and I finished with verse 17 before, but let's go on. So the Lord is telling him, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood is not revealed unto me, but to my Father which is heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Tons of theology there, but suffice to say, the Lord is telling Peter, let's focus on, on him. And he says, I'm going to build my church upon the very thing that you've said. Not only that, but this is at my, my uh, assembly. He, now, understand, he doesn't say, I will start my church. He says, I'm going to build my church. I'm not going to get into all of that, okay? But um, he says, I will give thee, and then he, says, then he says this. So think of it as Peter's listening to this. And so it says in verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What do you think Peter's thinking? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he charged the disciples they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. All right, so Peter's probably thinking to himself, I, I, I get the keys. I get the authority. That's for me. 
And so it's funny um, that right after this, it looks like Peter's trying to use the keys. I think that's the way he understood it. I think he understood it the way the Catholics say he understood it. Let's keep reading. Verse 21, And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So Peter's listening to this. And Peter's the one that supposedly has the keys. He's listening to the Lord say these things. And how does he react? Look at verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. After all, if he has the keys, if he's authoritative... So he began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this will not be unto thee. Peter here, the one that gave up everything, the one that was obedient, the one that had spiritual insight, and now the one that has the keys, tries to use this authority. What the Lord tell him? But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. So evidently, if Peter was the first pope, and if he supposedly has the keys, and if that's then... Uh, I think that they've got a pretty shaky ground there. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Well, here's the key to Peter's problem. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him, what does it say there? Deny himself. David's cross and follow me. I think here we have the problem. Peter was stubborn here, wasn't he? He was denying, this will not be unto you, Lord. He said, get thee behind me. You see, Peter may have left his boats. He may have left his fish. He may have left other things to follow the Lord. But he never left himself. That old self was still there. You see, salvation is a wonderful thing. And we get into a wonderful relationship with the Lord. But as time goes on, and as, our, and as we misunderstand things, we do things in our own strength. And we do things for ourselves. You see, for Peter to, be, to hear, I've got, you, you're, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that fits into his plan. I mean, after all, he was the one. So you got together, you know, the apostles had dinner together and, and they're talking about all the, the wonderful things. Peter undoubtedly could say, well, <laughs> I stepped out of a boat on water. This is what I gave up. I was the one upon which the Lord said he was going to build this church. That was me. You know, you can, I, I'm probably looking at, in your churches, probably the best people in the youth group. And I believe it. I believe it wholeheartedly. But I also understand that if that can get to your head. I also understand that it could be all about you. I also understand that it could have been about you all of this time. This is what Peter needed to get over. Because he couldn't strengthen the brethren unless he was converted. I don't know. You need to search your own heart. I can tell you this. There's been lots of times where I've needed to be converted that way. People praise you, and, and listen, rightfully so, I'm not taking it away from you, but if you let that govern your actions like Peter did, you, you, you'll never strengthen the brethren. Now, I know college and high school are both here, but our hope for you is that you mature to a point where you strengthen the brethren. Well, how can you unless you're also strong? But not strength in body, str strong in the Lord.
There is no way, there's no way that Peter could have done what he did in Acts chapter 2 without his, this conversion. See, he resolved in his heart that he would never deny the Lord. How is it that he could be so adamant to tell the Lord, I'll never deny you? And, and he did it three in a row. How can that be? Because when it's all about us, we're blinded. We don't see it. Can't see it. And so then, hopefully, you sit down and you listen to preaching and things, and it helps you with it. So it happens with me. So he found himself doing the exact same thing he said he would not do. Well, if it's all about you, then whatever happens that doesn't fit into that plan, you're going to have a problem with that. And you're going to be confused and you're not going to understand. So we get back to Luke 22. Let's go back there again. In 61. <clears throat> You know, it's funny. It says here, the Lord turned. Remember what I said, the word converted means, means to turn around. Well, Lord, this this very thing, I'm not saying the Lord had to do the same thing Peter did, but it's just interesting. He turned and he looked upon Peter. Now that look, and it wasn't until the Lord looked at Peter that he remembered his words. So can you see uh, the battered look on his face? Can you see the when the Lord looked at him, that face that looked at him was, was beaten to a pulp, almost literally. He wasn't looking at him plain-faced. Probably had swollen eyes. and It was probably horrible. And what is Peter thinking to himself? My goodness. It's been all about me. And he was broken. He was broken. And this was a good thing. I'll I'll tell you something. I feel sorry for people who have never been broken. I feel sorry for you. I do, because you don't know the closeness to the Lord that you could know. But see, you hang on to things. You won't surrender. You won't give it up, whatever it is. And I'm not saying things. I'm saying yourself. Hang on to things. Your aspirations, what you want. You're here because you've been lifted up to be here. You can't stay that way. You'll never strengthen the brethren that way. You can't. You've got to be turned around. Peter did. It wasn't easy, but he needed. If you think about it in the Bible, when things were broken, those were ultimately good things. What about when Peter broke, brought in all those fish? It said the net break, didn't it? But they saw something there. Remember Gideon and his army? The pitchers broke. So brokenness is a good thing. We don't think so. We think, we think things that are broken are not good, but the Lord doesn't look at it that way. So it's wonderful to think, well, uh, I, I think it would be great to be able to sit, stand in front of everybody and see thousands of souls saved at one time. That would be, be pretty amazing. That didn't happen without a lesson, a very important lesson. Later on, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 1. Verse 6 and 7, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, and Peter would know that, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He also says in 1 Peter 4, 14, 
And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Peter went through a difficult time. It was hard for him. But it's what was necessary. So you remember uh, those boys on, in the street by my house. And I, and I, um, I, I wasn't until I went into, and here's the thing. I went into the kitchen there. And I'm dropping the materials down there. And I just sat. And, and all, all of a sudden, you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit was saying, so, um, you thankful for your house? Thankful for the stuff that I let you have? Grateful for that? But those two boys, they opened up the conversation. It was an open invitation. But I was too blinded by myself. So then I can remember, all right, Lord, I'm going to make things right. And I got into my tic-tac. And I drove, and I could not find those boys again. And I was so sorry that I hadn't done what the Lord wanted me to do. I don't know. But if I would have just, if it would have just not been about me that day, I might have been able to, to help those boys. So you need to search your own hearts. I don't know. But I think definitely, hopefully, you see, Peter needed to be turned around, didn't he? And the Lord loved him, was gracious enough to him to help him with this. And he saw victory. Thank the Lord. So uh, I'm done. But just do whatever the Lord would have you to do. Mm-hmm.